Uh, in this sermon series, we have been uh, singing together the song Ancient Words as our prayer for illumination. So I invite you to join us um, as we sing and as you step into that time that these words, the song, uh, would be prayer uh, for you and I this day. scripture reading this day comes from Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, Luke chapter 22, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let us listen to God's word for us um, as it comes to us this day. First from Jeremiah. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. And then from the Gospel of Luke, that new covenant come to life. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after the meal and said, This cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. And finally, from 2 Corinthians. Does it sound like we're patting ourselves on the back, insisting on our credentials, asserting our authority? Well, we're not. Neither do we need letters of endorsement either to you or from you. 
You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. And we publish it. We couldn't be more sure of ourselves in this, that you, written by Christ himself for God, are our letter of recommendation. We wouldn't think of writing this kind of letter about ourselves. Only God can write such a letter. His letter authorizes us to help carry out this new plan of action, and that's that new covenant translated differently. The plan wasn't written out with ink on paper, with pages and pages of legal footnotes killing your spirit. It's written with spirit, on spirit, his life on our lives. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So it's a fun week to be a sports fan in this city, amen? I know football isn't everyone's thing in this room, but my gut tells me no matter how invested you are in what will happen come 5.30 p.m. today, that everyone here has to have at least been touched just a bit by the city's excitement to have our Chiefs returning to the Super Bowl for the third time in the past five years. I've been taking in some cover of the coverage this past week. The largest portion of my Super Bowl media consumption has been dedicated to the Kelsey Brothers podcast, New Heights. If you're one of those people listening today who is not so into football and is taking this all in from a bit of a distance, the Kelsey Brothers are made up of the Chiefs' Travis Kelsey, our number 87, considered by many as the best tight end in the NFL, and his brother, number 62 of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jason Kelsey, an all-pro center, who will face off against one another later today. I'm loving their podcast, though I would name, as with all sports-related media I will be talking about today, its language is more of the adult variety, so if you're checking it out based on your parent pastor's recommendation, don't do it with little ones around. As Travis and Jason talked on their podcast this week about their previous Super Bowls and this one, it caught my attention that they focused in on the storylines attached to each game. They named that what makes an incredible Super Bowl isn't just what happens on the field, but also has something to do with the stories that can be told in and around it. And on that score, Super Bowl 57 doesn't disappoint. No matter what language we speak, story is humanity's common native tongue. And it has a power to touch and transform us that is unlike any other form of communication. A 2020 article by NPR shares the research of neuroscientists who have been studying the power of narrative. They watch people's brain activity as they listen to a story and contrast it with the activity found when we take in other forms of information. Many more sections of the brain light up when we listen to a story. 
We're more likely to have physiological signs that we are engaged And they've even found that the brainwaves of a storyteller and their listener will start to synchronize as the story shared between them unfolds. As the article goes on, it lays out even more research that shows stories have a unique power to shape people, to shift their attitudes or change their behavior. It seems clear that these research results are ones God has had an inside track on for quite some time. In our scriptures today, we hear the contrast between the Old Covenant, God's instructions for the people that were carved on tablets of stone, with the New Covenant that came in and through Jesus, the covenant that is engraved on human hearts. Jesus came in part so that the instructions of God, laws that when taken to their most foundational form can be summed up as the command to love God and to love our neighbor as we also love ourselves. Jesus came to not just speak that law to us, to chisel it into stone or to write it on a scroll of papyrus. Jesus came to live that law out before us, out among us. The Gospels are filled with stories of Jesus living out God's commands, showing us in our most native tongue, in our flesh and blood, what it looks like, what it means to love, to love God, to love our neighbor, to love ourselves. When Jesus had a lesson to teach, he so often taught it in story form, telling a parable meant to reveal truth the more it was told and considered. God knew what researchers today are discovering, that by seeing, hearing, and telling the story, we were the most likely to be taken in, engaged, immersed. We were the most likely to be transformed. So the past couple of weeks, I've gotten sucked into a sports story of a slightly different variety than that of our Super Bowl. It is a football story, but it's football of a different kind. It's the rest of the world's football, what we here in the U.S. call soccer. FX has a docu-series called Welcome to Wrexham. Same language disclaimer for this, maybe even more so than the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Uh, which in its first season follows the ups and downs of a season and a half of football at one of the oldest football clubs in the English system, Wrexham FC, located in the town of Wrexham in northern Wales. Hollywood star Ryan Reynolds and his friend and TV actor Rob McElhenney purchased the Wrexham club when it is down and out having dropped into the like minor, minor leagues of the English football system. The two stars decide to invest their time, energy, talent, and all kinds of their money in order to bring the club back to life. When they make this decision, so many people wonder why. Why would two North American actors take over a Welsh football club? What becomes clear as you take in the 18 episodes in the series is that while these two invested in a football club, they also invested in the community who is intricately connected to the club that bears their name. In Wrexham, 
both Wrexham, the football club, and Wrexham, the community, there are powerful stories to tell. And while the football is exciting to watch, and I'm not, I know American football people are usually not soccer people, but this, it works because they just take the highlight reel. I've watched a lot of soccer as a soccer mom, and there's usually like five exciting moments in a game, and they just like cut all the other stuff out. So it is actually exciting to watch the soccer. But what makes this series powerful is the story, the stories they tell about the players, the coaches, and the townspeople as the season unfolds. Each individual story has its own powerful arc, and they are woven together to tell what truly is a resurrection story. I'm not going to give away what happens on the pitch. That's what they call the field across the pond. But I will tell you what happens off of it. A community of people, a blue-collar town that had been hit hard by the economic changes of the latter part of the 20th century, whose reality mirrored that of their down-and-out football club, had two people, famous strangers from abroad, meet them right where they were and pour their everything into the club and the community showing through their actions how much they believed in them both, the lengths they were willing to go to bring the club and the community back to life. As you watch the final episode of that first season, the transformation that has occurred in the hearts of everyone involved, Rob and Ryan included, is truly beautiful to behold. It's a resurrection story. And my gut tells me that these two actors, whose life's business at its core is storytelling, my gut tells me that the biggest reason they chose to make the investment in Wrexham was the potential they saw for that resurrection story to unfold. Even if, unlike in their acting careers, they knew the story's end would never be in their full control. Jesus didn't just come to us so that we could see God's law lived out in human flesh. Jesus came so that we would have the ultimate resurrection story to tell. Jesus came so that the prophet Jeremiah's words would prove true, that we would all know God from the least of us to the greatest, that we would all truly know God, the God who forgives our wrongdoing, the God who remembers our sin no more. Jesus came to meet us where we are. Jesus came to pour out his everything for us, his actions revealing just how much we mean to God, how much God believes in us, Jesus came so that we could see in flesh and in blood the lengths God is willing to go to bring us to life. Jesus came to live out the story of the cross and the empty tomb. Jesus came because it is that story that has the power to transform our hearts and lives way more than a list of rules chiseled into stone. This is the new covenant, 
Christ's heart literally poured out for our own. The unending love and amazing grace of our God lived out so powerfully that when we take it in, that love and grace get engraved upon our own hearts. They took, take root within us at the center of our being and transform us from the inside out. This isn't a list of rules we are meant to follow. This is a life we are called to live. God gives of God's everything for us, forgets our wrongdoing, remembers our sin no more, pours out his heart, his very life for us, and then simply asks us to receive God's good gifts and to live our lives as the transformed people that we are in return. When we talk about our life together here, there are two central impacts that we hope to make through it. And one of them is this. We want to be home to worshiping communities that are transformative. We want to be home to communities that are formed and centered in the worship of the God we have come to know in and through Jesus Christ and whose worship and life transform those who are a part of it and send them out to be part of transforming our world. I love Eugene Peterson's translation of Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth. Paul imagines the people of Corinth, their community, as a letter written to the world, telling them of Christ. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. The new covenant, God's new plan of action, is written with spirit, on spirit, Christ's life written on our lives. This is like the crazy, beautiful thing about our God. God chooses to make us part of the story. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney aren't in full control of the script at Wrexham. Just like, despite the conspiracy theorists, the NFL doesn't know the script of what will happen at 5.30 p.m. tonight. Amazingly, our God has chosen to live in a similar position when it comes to us. God wants us to have the freedom to choose for ourselves what our story will be, to choose for ourselves how our story will impact the story of our world, because God doesn't want this to just be a screenplay in which we live out our prescribed and assigned role. God wants real and authentic relationship with us, so God meets us where we are, pours out God's everything for us, offers us the gift of the new covenant, unconditional love, unending forgiveness and grace, and then invites us to live out our part in the story, to play our role as the game continues to unfold. I love a good resurrection story, and it is clear that our God does too. 
We are not all that unlike the community of Wrexham in a lot of ways. As I look out upon you, I see faces connected to so many stories, individual arcs that tell the story of the new covenant, that tell the tale of God's resurrection power, of what happens when Christ's life gets written on yours, of the transformation that occurs when we are met with the love and grace of our God. My hunch, my hunch is that God is weaving all of those stories together here for a purpose. That they are meant to be part of the larger resurrection story God has to tell in us, through us, and with us here. Like Wrexham, we do not know our story's end. But friends, the transformation that is occurring as our story continues to unfold is beautiful. It is beautiful to behold. Amen. Amen.